Morning. Hey, dude, uh, you all right? Yeah, good, good. So welcome to the Hockey Development Talk podcast. This this will be episode four. So amazing to have you on so early in our journey. Um, so for the listeners, will you just explain like, who you are, a little bit about your background? Uh, yeah, played uh, hockey for the uh, North of England and the 16s. That's put me in very good stead to uh, <laughs> operate in the world of hockey now. Um, yeah, well, no, I was spent most of my life involved in rugby, so uh, played, coached, um, did coach uh, development in rugby, uh, and then last year was lucky enough to be offered a role with uh, British Hockey doing some uh, coach development, and I, I, I do that alongside um, some stuff in other sports as well. So get to see lots of different environments, get to uh, hang out with hockey coaches. Uh, I learn off them. Hopefully they learn some bits off me. Uh, everyone's happy, really. Everyone is happy. I assume they are happy. So just, just, just looking into that. Obviously, with rugby, you you did loads of stuff with the sevens, didn't you? Rugby sevens. You did stuff with uh, England eighteens. Was um, so when we talk about sort of coaching and coaching environments, like I, I've learned no end just listening to you and watching from you. But what what do you think you can take from that into a into a hockey environment? Like what? Uh, yeah, no. Well, England England sevens is uh, much as. Uh, Footballers often say, oh, is that England under sevens? Because <laughs> <laughs> they start from a bit younger. Uh, so it's not. It's seven aside. Uh, World Series, uh, what would you take from there? I mean, it's a little bit like the uh, the stuff that's going on in hockey at the moment where you're travelling, um, you've got a couple of days to get over a bit of jet lag and deal mm-hmm. with it, and then you've got to go and perform. So that would be a, a performance environment. So there'd be lots yeah. of uh, crossover for that. England 18s. And a bit of stuff with the 20s would be uh, really around developing players to play the game of the future, to go and excel and change the game of the future. So that would be a bit more exploratory, um, lots of opportunities for uh, kids to try stuff, uh, to stretch their boundaries and, and stretch our boundaries. Um, so and that would you know, be pretty comparable to some of the stuff I see, for example, in the performance centres or the nags with, with England hockey. So... Um, I guess, yeah, and the, the sevens would be much more like what's going on with, you know, with Danny in the first team. Yeah, in the pro league. You must have come across then uh, and been engaged with loads of the loads of talented youngsters. Who who do you feel the the most talented youngster was and uh, and why? Oh, that's a tough question. I mean, they'd all have, they'd all be skillful in their own way. I mean, lots of... Um, Kids that have, have, you know, you look at the premiership this season, loads of the youngsters, loads of the 18, 19-year-olds. So, you know, Tom Willis, Marcus Smith, Cam Redpath, Aaron Reid, uh, the Currys, Nick Gaziki, starting to make, a, you know, a name for themselves both at club level and at international level. So I do think we've got a real golden uh, crop of young, uh, skillful players coming through. I, I love the fact they're getting opportunities to play. So... Guess it's a bit like Zach Wallace playing for yeah. playing for, for hockey as well. Yeah. You know, we all get excited by the youngsters coming through. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you know, and, and my challenge to those guys is to go and is going to influence coaches and go and change the game so that um, we can go and win some World Cups. Obviously, in a rugby context, it's a World Cup this year, so that's um, yeah. that's pretty um, yeah, it's a pretty big year. Uh, yeah, I saw some comments that you made the other day about the Rugby World Cup with, I think a school must have put some uh, results on. Uh, it did make me chuckle when I first saw it. And then uh, you said, I hope they go on to win the World Cup, which I did I did chuckle about. And that, yeah, that's obviously it's interesting. It's interesting, really. I mean, I, I haven't seen so much of that in hockey at the moment. But, you know, for one team to beat another one, 100 points to five, which is essentially 20 goals to one um, mm. in a sport where... I mean, as well as the, you know, do I really want to come back after losing 20 goals to one? But in rugby, there's the physical element as well. Mm-hmm. So that was, and that's a score every two minutes yeah. if the game keeps playing and there's no stoppages. So that's a pretty, um, I'm not sure who's learning there would be my view. Coaches, yeah. clearly, high expectations of them being called in to coach the All Blacks in the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So, when did you start making your coaching journey? Then, what 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 sort of led you into it? Um, as as is often the case, no plan really. I'd started to do a bit of coaching qualifications. Um, I was at uh, Birmingham uh, as a player and a bit as a coach, and then 
the guy who was leading up the coaching uh, left. And so I kind of, um, yeah, I just kind of assumed the mantles. I can remember my first meeting and being very nervous. Uh, at the same time, uh, Ben Ryan started coaching the sevens. He asked me to come down and have a bit of a go. That was probably as good as it got. I can also remember my first meeting, and I cringe at the very thought of it, in the same way I probably cringe at meetings I did a week ago. So yeah. um, it's, uh, you know, as, as you'll know, you, you never get to the end in coaching. That's the challenge. There's no finish line. So um, constantly kind of learning, evolving, um, definitely, you know, all people always say who's been the people who've influenced you the most. Um, I've had some pretty cool players that I've learned off. So um, <clears throat> when I coached the uh, under-18 women at the Europeans uh, rugby and um, I wasn't, you know, I got some pretty good feedback from people like Jess Breach um, on actually how I need to individualise stuff a little bit better. Um, when I'm coaching someone like uh, Marcus Smith or Cam Redpath, and with due respect, if they're as good as I was, we're definitely not going to win World Cups. <laughs> I've got to think we probably wouldn't qualify. Then probably got to think a little bit more about, you know, how can I help them achieve their potential and not have them bounded by what I achieved. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating th thing at times because, I, I, you know, and I hang with a lot of coaches and the, you, you, you can always look back and go, oh, wow, really? No. But actually, I've, you know, lots of see lots of coaches getting better and, you know, should be celebrating the, the, yeah. the steps they're making towards this, this ever-moving target of, you know, being a whatever yeah. coach. Yeah. It, just, it just keeps going, doesn't it? You think you're getting somewhere and then you go, for me anyway, I go, oh, I didn't, didn't think about that. Or like, oh, wow, yeah, I probably need to, to learn something around there. And then you, you feel like you go back a step, but actually that back a step's a, a huge learning step for you to, to move on so something I wasn't actually going to bring up actually but something interesting I heard you say the other day was around your talk in Canada where a lady reflected to you on the end about your slides and maybe you should have some more some more ladies on it and I do you know what I I'd just done a presentation uh at my at the local university here Bishop Got Teaching University around my role within England hockey and stuff like that and I suddenly thought what was what what were the images on mine and actually <laughs> Did I promote that? And it, it just made me think. And to be honest, I need to probably think about that because the people in the room were 70% female. And yet I actually only had two images of females. And yet there were 16 images. So uh, now some of the images were cartoons and stuff like that. But like two images, that's is that right? So, you know, you made me reflect on that about like when I do a talk. And that, that's a talk that I've done three or four times. I need to think. So... Thanks. Yeah, that was. I mean, it was really good. I mean, I love the, the the fact that a day in, so it was it was two and a half days, and um, <clears throat> I walked into the room of people, and there was fifty percent women, which in rugby is like unheard of. So yeah. I see, you know, forty female coaches. That's probably about thirty five more than I've seen in in rugby yeah. in England in ten years. And to be fair, one of the ladies just said, "Look, here's a bit of bit of feedback." you might want to think about telling some more stories and probably showing some more images of, of you coaching women because it would reflect your audience. And, yeah, I mean, it's great feedback, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one of my favourite things, so um, it was really kind of... Um, yeah, I, was, I was just doing a bit of coaching and I'd say, OK, I'm going to join in now. Who wants to coach? And, I mean, one of the things that came from, the, from over in Canada was just a you know 50% put their hand up I'll join I'll run it I'll run the session or we're gonna have a little goldfish bowl over here who wants to run it I'll run it I'll run it so actually just really excited going to countries like that and I've just been to Germany and we're going to Malaysia and Singapore soon as well where people just really want to get better they mm -hmm. want to become more skillful coaches they want to be able you know be able to adapt to the to the people in front of them um yeah I mean and, and that's probably what I've seen in hockey so far so Predominantly, I've been involved with ACP, PC, NAGS coaches, but but with a definitely encountered some some other people along the way, and I just see people wanting to get better. If I'm honest, mm. um, that's really the norm, um, which is which is exciting. Definitely makes my job easier. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'll come on to the to the environments that you, you've been looking at in, in hockey in a moment. But just talking just back to you with your coaching, who kind of inspired you to to this route here? So obviously the, the way that, that you look at things and, and that is, for me, is now the norm. But for others, it's kind of like this different. So who's inspired you along the way to go down this kind of this this route? Uh, my kids. Yeah, um, I w- I'm not saying it's a necessity, but I definitely think it'll improve your coaching if you have kids. Yeah, um, you yeah know, we're not saying that you have to get every coach has to have a child. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm taking responsibility for that. Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, I was saying yesterday we went sledging yesterday, and just to see kids learning and t- you know yeah. having responsibility, and you know, there's no adults, there's no cones, there's no shouting. It's not that necessary. Um, it's actually quite unsafe. It was, my daughter at one stage had to put her hands up and save her and her friend Matilda from going down a, a pretty steep incline. Um, <laughs> Dad was oblivious to it, but, you know, they, they solved the problem. Um, so my kids have definitely had impact. I've been very fortunate. I mean, look, I coached with, with Ben Ryan with the Sevens. I think Sevens lends itself to thinking slightly differently about the game. Ben definitely did. Uh, back at uni, we had Tony Rogers, who I always say, you know, was more bothered about the drinking games afterwards and ensuring the golf and the peg were there. And everyone knew the rules of Thumbmaster. Um, so we were coaching ourselves. Uh, John Fletcher, Peter Walton, <clears throat> legends. I mean, I was, I went and spent two years teaching. And the reason I came back to rugby um, was not to increase the number of miles I drive per year. But to spend time with those guys and mm. learn and and just suck in everything that they've you know spent over a decade putting together around development. So <clears throat> yeah, they'd have had big influences on me. So I mean, I'm I'm lucky I get to work with Fletch on a daily basis, and obviously Waltz is now w- working in Bristol, so I get to hang with him and see him. So yeah, some some pretty. I've been very lucky. Yeah, no, that's cool, isn't it? That's cool. I I, I personally think that uh, you Fletch. Uh, and some you know others out there that that I've sort of witnessed yeah, um, that you know have seen uh, Walt's tweets. There's, there's Nick, uh, Nick Wilkinson, is that, is that his name? Yeah, yeah Nick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, and we're going to catch up. I think people like yourselves are so open to to uh, to discussion with not just your own sport, and that's different for me. Like that was a that was nice to be able to think that you guys have come from from rugby, and you know, do you want to come and see an environment like Fletch? You know, let's go and watch. Uh, Newcastle Falcons when he said that to me and let's go up there you know people go why, why are you going to go watch rugby for And but actually my how feedback much, back uh, to them was how much did you learn going, going to see Aidan McNulty biggest learning experience of my life just I, and then when he invited me back for a second day there was not a chance I was going to say no do you know what <laughs> I mean I, I, it it was so much fun like, like so much fun even I wanted to play rugby and I'm definitely not a rugby player like, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, I'm going to get broken so um you know, I, I think that's amazing. And I think that's an opportunity that hockey coaches need to understand more is that actually these people are open. There are more football coaches out there now that are more open and receptive to, to sort of the gameplay and constraints led. And there's some great stuff going on. I, I've watched uh, a few clips with a, a guy called Rob Williams where I, I need to go meet him actually. But like, just he's so open to ideas and so open to discussion that you just think that's where we need to be. Like, And I, I think that you guys have been at the forefront of that. So. Mark, uh, so Mark Bateman, who coaches in the with the Nags, so the sixteen mm-hmm. boys, they've he's been spent a bit of time with Noel Speed and the rest of those guys at Sale who are doing some brilliant mm-hmm. stuff in the academy. Actually, the next uh, Nags camp has got I think four or five of their rugby coaches are coming down to hang. So, and it's just it's just a different set of eyes. Yeah, so yes. you know, yeah. a couple of classic things for me that we where it's been good for us. So Mike Cave comes in and says, Rusty, so Mike's a Fulham Academy uh, manager, said, look, you talk about creating players that can do everything, you've already divided them up. You've got forwards and backs. Wow, not even thought of that. When we got um, some of the football guys came up in when we were in the camp in Leeds, we just set them the challenge of, right, I want you to work out. I'm not going to tell you how to play the game because they didn't know the game at all. Who do you think the best defender is? Who do you think the best attacker is? And then start to tell us why. And they just they just notice stuff that we don't notice because we're, you know, we're trapped in this river of thinking around, you know, the rugby looks like this. 
mm. or it should mm. look like this, or this is the tradition. So, um, so hockey is a good example. I mean, I watch lots of people practice at the start, but you know, uh, uh, a bit of goof time. Sorry. And, yeah. and how often do I see people practicing 3D skills, uh, drag flicks, uh, first touch? So, you know, if, if those four of us stood and we just hit the ball to each other and we weren't allowed at, 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 to stop it, then hit it, then that would increase our skill level. Mm -hmm. and we, but, I, you know, just for me to go, okay, well, why don't they practice these skills? That's, I guess it's a fresh pair of eyes. No, definitely. Uh, goof time has been something which uh, I giggle at and I have used because I know we chat about it when uh, uh, with, uh, we'll call it Project 71 <laughs> with uh, with the England Hockey Project uh, that we're working on. And uh, the goof time thing, I, I think, can be really cool. Other people might call it free swim or that type of stuff. But, um, like, what... What do you think? What do you think that could look like on a hockey pitch? Because I have my thoughts of what that could look like. So, do you, do you, do you um, think there should be pressure or no pressure? Uh, I, I think it should be up to the kids, really. I mean, I, I see it done really well in um, <clears throat> so the performance center at Bristol. Um, I watch them the boys session and the and the kids will just get going. They'll they'll create some little small sided games. They'll have scoring systems, so it might be you know you get a you get five points if you score with the first touch. Or it's only you know it's four five sided games, often uneven teams. Uh, you'll get extra points if you do a you know a, a long flick. I don't even know what the words are. An aerial, uh, but they're an aerial, uh, and the uh, and the, and the kids will just come up with some stuff. Um, yeah, I would, and, but also I would. You know, I like some of the stuff, for example, they do at Birmingham City and they would call it almost like disguised technical work where they set up some bins and you've got to, you know, you've got to do three keepy-uppies, then kick the ball in a bin five metres away. If you do that, you move to the next level, it's 10 metres away. If you do that, the next level is two traffic cones on the top of the crossbar. And you've, got to, you've got to kick them off or we might get someone to be flicking those off. Um and, and and the kids are super engaged in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would I would make it relatively playful. I would make it as you know relatively pressure free, especially when they're starting to to learn a new skill. Uh, I would be just talking about look, we're here to to look at your best bits. Um, we're not that fussed about the stuff that goes wrong. We'll just call that learning. And I'd love you all to try something you've never tried before. Um, yeah, that way will we move the boundaries yeah for sure I, I think some of the things where where I've chatted to coaches around that is that they'll they'll tell me this player here has got incredible incredible 3d skills he, he you know he's got the ability to to do xyz with the ball but he's just not very good at it in a game and I just you know my first question is well when's he rewarded for it in in a game in training and we have that discussion of well you know we we play these little games and the four and four five and five yeah but what, if he does it to beat a player, or he does it and and we get some success out of it, what what sort of points does his team get for that? Oh no, no, nothing. I was like, well, for me, that's that's surely what you want to be doing. Like, so those individual in, inter interactions are, are key. Uh, where I can try and go if I want that to come out, and that player has that ability, let's 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 let him have a go. You know, if they've ne if you never see a player do something, then we need to see it. Surely we. Don't know how they are. So try and reward that. Imaginary points, so rewards and consequences would be a strong part of coaching. And mm. I was saying I was at Woodford the other day, one point if you score a try, five points if you kick to score, no yeah. one kicks. So I'm making a thousand points. Well, I haven't. All I've done is, and then suddenly everyone wants to kick. And it's yeah. all I've done is increase the number of imaginary points. Yeah, um, which is cool. I, I like that. Yeah. And clearly, then we could give it some context. So if you kick it and the opposition get it, well, maybe they get some points. So actually, you're then going to start thinking about, was it the right time to kick? Was it the right time to use 3D skills? Um, and then it's often about breaking the seal, really. Once people have permission to do it, then they'll go and practice it. Mm, for definite. Uh, for definite. So, okay, talking then, we might as well move into the, those environments. You spoke about a couple of performance centres and, and, uh, uh, and nags and stuff like that. So... Just, just with that, that for us, the key has been around uh, the golden thread for a long time. Getting, getting the golden thread out there. So, what should the session look like with those, those key elements? And then the talent development framework 
been put out there and the end in mind, um, which, you know, I, I think personally, I, I think it's great. And obviously Scott and the coaching team have sort of put that out there. Do you, do you see that in other sports? Is, do other sports have that type of stuff or is, is this different? Um, I think the messaging's strong. Obviously, they have some similar stuff around DNA in football and, mm-hmm. and cards in um, in rugby. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's the, the messaging is really, really strong in hockey. I think it would be the best. Um, what I think we're trying to achieve now is is just scaffold some coaches up towards it. So yeah. actually, so what does that look like? So what does it look like with a you know with a group of kids that are new to hockey with a you know with an in a nags environment in a pc environment uh and i've seen some <clears throat> some you know some coaches doing some great stuff so i'm talking a lot you know claire hayes did a session at um down at the taunton pc yeah. which was based around grit and it was a it was a girls session so um that was interesting uh once you scored a goal you got to pick a player off the opposition uh, lots of teams immediately picked the goalie, so it was two goalies to nil. It's made uh-huh. tough. And you're a player down and you haven't got a goalie. <clears throat> Once you scored two goals, you knew there was going to be a consequence at the end. Um, it, was, it wasn't a physical consequence. It might be, you know, singing Baby Shark, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, once you got to three goals, it got doubled. So, it became, so if you were three nil up, you were six nil up. Um, so just to constantly, you know, there's this battle of, you know, can we get back into this game? Can we fight our way back? And you weren't allowed to go nil-nil. So if it went nil-nil, both teams had consequences. So just this real competitive drive. No, that goal was in. It wasn't, you know. And then probably a little bit of dodgy refing and Yeah. Um, I, and then really just supporting the girls with the skills to, to get back in the moment. And, yeah, I, I've enjoyed sessions like that. Dave Jessup... Uh, Doing some real good stuff around gamification and having levels. Uh, I watched Elliot uh, Fowaker coach the other day, <clears throat> and it was a okay, guys. You've got here's your mission. Uh, you've got eight minutes to achieve these three levels. The defence. If you get the ball back and make X number of passes, you send them back down to level one. Um, and, and the beauty of it was that because it was each level had slightly different numbers in attack and defence, you then had some tactical training. So at this stage, we are, you know, we've got a massive overload, so we can go forward, fast, first, or fast, forward, first, whichever way around it is. Yeah, forward, fast, first, when, yeah, yeah. When we're um, when we're on level three, we're probably going to have to pass a little bit more before we score, or we're maybe going to have to get it in and look for, you know, a, a Tom Carson-esque deflection goal. Mm. Tom Carson loves a diving deflection. <laughs> um, so. I've just seen, you know, some of this stuff interpreted really well. I think our our challenge now is to disseminate that information. So is to try and give people, share with people, learn yeah. from them, make it even better. Uh, so yeah. the the big the big focus in in 2019 has been to get some people together. So let's get over a thousand hockey coaches together over a period of about six months. Uh, it's obviously keeping you busy on Twitter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And Dan, he's come busy on Twitter. He's taking bookings. He's taking bookings all over the yeah. world. Now. Yeah. And it yeah. Was, I, I now see lots of people going, oh, can we have one of those where we are? And, uh, and and that's brilliant because actually, I guess what hockey's done is just scaffold it and gone, this is this is what's going on. This is a good way of <clears throat> of sharing stuff. And so I, I get really excited that clubs yeah. now go, oh, can we have one with us? Or can we have one with us? And we can maybe support them or, you know, ideally that run it themselves and yeah yeah the big the, the big thing for me out of all of that is listening to i'll go back to, to claire's session there are you listening to that you we would never have seen that well i i personally would never have seen that five years ago i never would have heard of that happening in a in the hockey world five years ago and yet i'm hearing more and more and more now whether that's social media i've got no idea but like the the way that those so, so the way that that's come out is is amazing. Obviously, I've, I've saw it on the the coach logic stuff, which we, we were shared on. Um, but what what do you think the kids felt around that? Do you think what do you think they took away? Like, oh, sure. I, love, I mean, <clears throat> it was interesting because we did a bit of a debrief with the kids after Elliot's session, and and they just were like that. They were genuinely that was the best session we've ever done. Right. Uh, I mean, those were loving. I mean, they were absolutely loving Claire's session, loving it in a kind of. 
oh kind of way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've I've been fortunate to coach both boys and girls, men and women, and and it's often harder, you know, in, and 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 I'm generalising slightly to get the girls to be competitive against mm-hmm. each other. They mm-hmm. tend to be more supportive. So, whereas with the boys, I'm having to often support them with giving positive feedback to one another because boys are pretty good at taking the mickey out of each other. Yeah. Girls are really, really good at that. Oh, I've noticed you did this. And, I, you know, we really value that as a team versus when boys get competitive, it gets competitive. What I loved was just, you know, uh, they were all in the moments. They were trying to win the imaginary points game. Yeah. They, you know, the, the consequences were never big. They were never, <clears throat> um, they were never physical and they were never anything too bad. So, it might be, you know, pick a song and your team will sing a song type thing. Mm-hmm. But it was just the thought of the consequence. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for me, I, I've looked at that session, actually, and uh, I was thinking more about my own performance centre and thinking, uh, how could I adapt it for that? And I think the way that I probably would was to try and link it to what it takes to win with the, the right attitude. <clears throat> and I'm definitely not saying that my boys haven't got the right attitude, but just want to instill that there is a line and actually try and get that. Yes, we want to try and beat the game, and we want to do that. But actually, I want I want them to try and win it with the right attitude. So they are they are building team cohesion and stuff like that together. And I, I really want to try. And I, I've been trying to mess around. Match, my actual doodle pad was messing around with that the other day. With like, how can I get that? Because I know that that's what they've spoken around. They don't feel they feel we've come closer together. They still don't feel a hundred percent team cohesion and I think that could be a really good game to, to build that in so yeah and Claire would have referenced the, the what it takes to win attitude I love the way she sold it so as a group her and Bubble and and the other Claire you know they got it up on the whiteboard there's a there's league tables there's all you know and they're really selling this story that's great that's great oh that's great. I, I would have loved to have taken part yeah in this. me too me and again too. my um my litmus test is always would I want these people uh to coach my kids and would I want, you know, how do I think my kids would find this session? And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing some great stuff to be honest. That's cool. That's cool. The community of practices, what we were talking about, you have obviously you're involved in a couple. I'm involved in one. I think the the biggest area for me with those would be around getting people to understand the talent development framework a little bit more. And it's not just for performance center nags, you know, it, it is all the way down to club level. It can be interpreted so that these juniors have got the right terminology being used to them. The coaches can can be playful. And I think that's the biggest thing that I don't see as too much is, and I, I referenced what you said the other day, you're seeing more play happening at NAGS training, national age group squads, than you are in other areas. And I think that I've seen, you know, we, we play, we have loads of fun, um, but actually even at club level, trying to get that there's still them serious coaches so I think environment is a really key element to what we want to to want to chat around so I think my question to you is what what do you look for in an environment what would what would be the what would be in like a a wow environment for you what would it, what would it look like yeah I mean it's um I'd probably be able to close my eyes and hear it mm-hmm. I could close my eyes and hear it at sledging so yeah. at sledging I could hear no adults yeah. Yeah, I could hear kids fully engaged, having fun, chatting to each other, you know, uh, experiencing success, um, having the odd bump. Um yeah. I think I would I think I would be able to hear it. I should close my eyes more often, although the coaches might think that's weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I do you know, I, I have seen some sessions lower down uh, through experience of, of my kids actually where I'm thinking, yeah, this could definitely be a little bit more playful. Um, I'm probably trying to look at it through, you know, we're spending a bit of time and uh, Demi's doing some great work around just looking at it through the experience of a player. So one of the first things I would have noticed is how the experience is very different for a goalkeeper. So goalkeeper rocks up. Everyone else does their kind of, their warm-up. I would ban laps, although they're quite social. So I'm... No, I'm not, I don't want to take away people's social time. However, the goalkeepers don't do the laps with everyone else because they're still putting their kit on. Um, I would develop a piece of goalkeeping kit that comes on in one go really quickly like this. Uh, <laughs> that would solve the problem. Um, and they don't want to run the lap in their kit anyway. Um, so they miss out on some stuff there. They then go and stand in goal. Um, 
depending on the size of the pitch, they may not have that many touches or interactions, mm-hmm. so they're probably struggling with the golden thread. Um, they tend to be involved when the ball goes in the net, so they don't feel so great about that often. It's rare that I see them conversing with other players. Sometimes they go into huddles with their masks on, and mm-hmm. then when the when their team scores goals, they're not part of it, so you don't get to celebrate. Although I'm sure you get that warm feeling inside you. Um, <laughs> so, and I'm not, you know, and I'm generalising, but I, I, I have definitely seen stuff like that. Versus now, what I see is uh, goalkeepers leading huddles, um, goalkeepers um, having, you know, some real good games where the goalies are competing against each other, where they're involved in it. I saw Sam Clark do a session at RGS High Wycombe where there's two goalies and three goals and they've got to work together as two goalies and suddenly they're part of a team. Um, I've seen them now starting to lead warm-ups and do that and actually not have to put their kit on until a bit later. Um, Yeah, I mean, and and hopefully they're becoming less, you know, I've seen it in football. Um, The goalkeepers can often have reliance upon their their goalkeeping coach. I'm not sure that's a good thing. So I'm not sure it's a good thing that when you save a ball, you immediately look over at another human to, for feedback. Or when yeah. the ball goes in, you look over to see how they've reacted. So I think some of the some of the best stuff that's going on is just making them part of the team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And when we announce yeah. football formation, let's not announce four four two. Let's be five four two or one four four two or whatever it is. Let's. Let's make them part of the game. So I'm, I'm generally looking at through the experience. So I'm trying to observe kids and see if they're engaged. Are they being supported or stretched appropriately? And clearly in the PC and the NAGS environment, there'll be a bit more emphasis on how do we stretch the best? How do we, you know, how do we get the next Zach Wallace? Um, and, yeah, and how, much, how, much, how many, you know, all the stuff around Golden Thread, how many decisions are they making? That would be that would be key for me, really. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I think um, on that with the goalkeeper, actually, I saw a session the other day where it was really good. The goalkeeper uh, had put five points down on a like a mini whiteboard of what they wanted to achieve in this eight-minute session. Uh, and other players had started to write what they were trying to achieve. So they'd all set themselves individual targets, which I thought was. Brilliant, really, you know, absolutely. Uh, but the goalkeeper had set herself uh, five to do in an eight-minute period. And then most of that was around interacting with others and making sure that um, the team were aware of where she was, but also the team were aware of what she could see because she could see the whole pitch. So it was it was really good, of the stuff that she wrote down on there about. She, she was going to have a minimum of three interactions uh, with each defender, which I thought, okay. Yeah, right. So there, I tried to challenge that a little bit about like, what are we classing as an interaction? So just wanted to know, you know, because we could, we, an interaction could just be me and you just saying hello. So is, 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 are we using that? But she wanted it. It was no, I want it to be gamified interactions. And I was like, okay, so is that you tell? And she goes, not necessarily tell, but I, I would like them to be aware of the situation. Okay, cool. So it, it was nice to see. I haven't seen that. A lot, I must admit. So you saying what you said there actually is something that you know we do need to see a bit more. Of. Yeah. yeah, we might need to flip it. So I was in a session the other day, and there was a goalie who was very nervous, and I just chatted to the outfield players and said, "Look, secret mission. You've all got to have a positive interaction next ten minutes, and don't make it obvious. It's it's a secret mission." You know, ten minutes later, the goalie's completely in the session. They're really engaged. They're feeling confident. They're talking a bit more. Um, so yeah, I mean that. I mean that would be the you know their interaction with the rest of the team. I mean, the FA have been doing some good work on this, and one of our um, uh, community practice events is going to be at a goalkeeping camp with 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 the FA. But they used to do you know goalies off we come and we'll do a goalkeeping camp with just the goalies. But clearly now, and they looked at it so. In football, and I don't know what the data is in hockey, but uh, for every one touch with the hand in football, there's seven with the feet. So right. actually, let's make our practice representative. And, and and so they'd invite teams in as well. So every goalkeeper camp would have teams invited in and you know they'd be challenging them and supporting them around their interaction with other players. And 
You know, if I was a goalie, I'd just shout, no shots, no shots. Yeah. <laughs> no shots, left shoulder, right shoulder, no shots. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. I, I think thinking about environment, I think about environment more now than I probably do anything else. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking for kids. What are they, what are they showing me? So if I see a kid who doesn't look like they're happy, like there's obviously something that's going on. So what is it? So um, yeah, I think environment has become my, my big learning point from Aiden and the stuff in, uh, in Newcastle Falcons was around environment. Those interactions are key, but actually what's the environment looking like? Take a step back and have a look and just think, just think, is it achieving what we want to achieve? And is everybody going to leave here? A, knowing what they've uh, achieved. B, do they feel better than what they did before they arrived? And that, uh, you know, and are they happy? Fun. What are the two best things? What are the two best things you took from Aiden? His inter his interactions, his one to one, his little cheekiness. So we tap a player who had just done. A, he got the rugby ball in uh, right hand. He was running, and he a player was coming to to tackle him, and he just cheekily put the ball round the back and sort of passed it on to the next person. And he cheekily just went up to him and said, "I bet you can't do that five times." successfully yeah. five times and I, I just those one-to-one -one interactions that he was having um and he was also challenging a couple of individuals you know a bit in the next uh in the next whatever they call it where they were coming in to huddle uh in the, in the next huddle uh, i bet uh, i bet you can't lead uh, the feedback for 30 seconds you know stuff like that i i was just amazed he was really thinking about the person he was thinking about the people, but within their environment and really trying to lift them through. It was class, absolute class for me. I think so. one of the, the big leaps that's happened, certainly through some of the stuff they're doing in the academies, is just that even within a team session, there's an individual, you know, there's individual focuses for everyone. Now, they yeah. may own that. Well, clearly they do own it. It may be that they've put it on a whiteboard and it's more likely to be done because it's written down, but it also gives us opportunities to check as a coach but as this but as Aiden does so skillfully it might be that it's in the moment I've mm -hmm. noticed you do this you just done something really well what a great opportunity to stretch you see if you can do it even more because actually if 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 you then get validation from the coach of I loved you doing that and then they say god do it even more you're thinking awesome this is like yeah. versus you know it doesn't quite go well coach tells you not to do it we never see that skill again no, never. No. I, I would have imagined that years ago, the the kid that got the ball in one hand, he was running and he just cheekily threw it around his back and he went straight into the breadbasket of the other player here who carried on and, uh, and scored. I would imagine that he'd have got telling off a couple of years ago, <laughs> probably a long time ago. I, that's what I would imagine at school. That's like a see my school teacher telling him off. Yeah, yeah, which is which is different. And then um, I think, I think the the other thing that I I saw was the how, the the how questions. But that his how question in was to his co-coaches. So uh, the guy out from Cumbria is it Keith in Cumbria? Yeah, uh, yeah. He sort of he questioned him in a really good way about like so that they, they were bouncing off each other about what who was deliver what and so he said if uh, right we're going to do this and it was the the how's this going to work right and what are they going to learn out of it so he was really trying to get the coach not to just set an activity up but also get them to think about, if you were the player, what, what are you going to achieve out of this? I really liked how they worked worked together on that. And, I, you know, it, it wasn't he was trying to stitch anybody up. It, he was just thinking, if I was the kid, the beat the game element, right, they're going to want to beat the game. That's their big, big thing up there, isn't it? If they beat the game, well, how are they going to do it? What, what is it that we're putting in? So I, I really like that the beat the game is at the forefront of their minds as well, which was class. Uh, well, that, there's probably two things that the Falklands do really well that you've caught there. And, and so one is co-coaching. So mm -hmm. they, ran, they recently ran the CPD on co-coaching. I mean, okay. once again, how many people are, are being intentional around how we co-coach? How do we work together as coaches? Mm. Uh, one of the things, they've had a big input from a guy called Ed Hall, Ed Hall looked at, for example, at huddles and noticed that, <clears throat> say it was me, you and Danny Kerry coaching together. So Danny would be top of the hierarchy, you'd be second, and I'd be, yeah. I'd be down the <laughs> shallow end. If we had a huddle, Danny would tend to talk first, then you, then me. Mm -hmm. um, and that order always happens, and often I have nothing to say, so it's quite hard for me to develop as a coach. And also it takes quite a long time for three of us to say stuff. So mm -hmm. they've become very intentional around that, 
because of some feedback they got from Ed Hall. Uh, the second one that I think hockey could do better is beat the game. So beat the game came about, I mean, their language, we would we used to call it like tactical games. We then stole it off Falcons because it was a much better way of describing it. And that's, look, you, you set a game with a problem. So you might go, well, we're going to play a game and it's seven on five. Mm-hmm. Just play. So actually it's them. Well, how do we win this game based upon the, the challenge that's been set by the coaches? It might be that I play your team, Gary, and your team are, aren't allowed to tackle you can only intercept in, in hockey terms. And it might be that my team are trying to score by getting a, a short corner and score off the short penalty corner, it's called now, isn't it? Get a penalty corner. Bully off, that doesn't exist anymore, does it? Definitely doesn't exist, no, no. <laughs> um, so, and then it's, but you don't know and you've got to try and work it out. So it's just this, and maybe answers your question around environment. I would always be looking to see, are the players having to solve problems? Are they having to think? Or are they coasting? So if they're just passing a ball to one another, then I'm thinking, right, how can I, how can I make this a little bit, how can I gamify this? How can I make this a little bit more challenging for them? How can I stretch them slightly? So, yeah, co-coaching and beat the game, so solving tactical problems um, would be two of the things I think the Falcons do exceptionally well. Yeah, absolutely. And is it beat the game or is it be at the game? That was the challenge I left with where they asked me that question. And I was like... Don't leave me with more things to think about. My brain was a shed after two days. It was it, it was an unbelievable experience. So, you know, thanks for you putting me in touch with Aidan and Fletch coming up and uh, supporting me through that because it was it wasn't it was eye opening. It was real eye opening and uh, yeah, amazing, amazing. So, just the last couple of things, really. Magic Academy. Um, I see more and more hockey coaches getting engaged with the Magic Academy now. But do you want to just explain what it is and what you're trying to achieve with that? Yeah, so I was having uh, dinner with my daughter last night and her friends, and uh, and I was I was one of her new friends came around asking who her dad works for, and she didn't know. And I said, Elsa, who does dad work for? She said, Magic Academy, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved. Uh, I thought she was going to say RFU, and, uh, and and I said, Oh, do you know what your dad's job title is? And she said, No. I said, That's After a small technical hitch, uh, I'm back with Rusty, who's going to continue to explain um, what the Magic Academy is. Enjoy. It's, um, I guess it's just a, p- a place where people can share and learn and hopefully create, you know, we've been talking a lot about environments, but really it's about better environments for kids and uh, support coaches and, and, and helping them with that, really. So myself and yeah. John Fletcher and the Stig, um, it's, uh, you know, have a, there's an online community where people are sharing ideas and problems and um, successes. Uh, and then we obviously get out and about and, um, yeah, just support coaches really and getting better. So um, we, I thought the name sounded fun. Um, I, I would want to work for a place called the Magic Academy. Um, yeah. I would definitely want to be a, a wizard of some description. Um, Absolutely. It's oh, training. a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. You, before we got cut off, you were saying about your daughter introduced you yesterday to her one of her friends. So Yeah, she... Um, so I was just pleased that when I asked her who do I work for, she said the Magic Academy, um, and that she wasn't aware that you know I'm self-proclaimed wizard at the uh, Magic mm. Academy, and, but she was quite excited by that name, and she said she yeah. would to work as a wizard somewhere. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. no, it's uh, I mean it's it's I feel like we're living the dream a little bit. Just come back from Canada and Germany, where I've been doing some stuff, and then we're obviously going. I've got a bit of time in Russia and a bit of time in. Singapore and Malaysia, uh, helping coaches, really. And as I said earlier, I think there's a real shift around coaching where people want to better understand it. And and, and, and there's definitely a a real shift around environment, all the stuff that's been going on in, you know, a variety of sports that's, you know, there's big chat around mental health and young people these days. So um, often sport is their release, is their most joyous occasion. Um, I was at a presentation on Wednesday night by Richard Berry uh, talking about uh, mental health and kids and actually went along with a kid that I've coached. So, And I was in the car with him on the way back and we were just chatting about it and he just said, yeah, you know, I've never really thought of it like that. I didn't realise that sport's probably the place where I feel <clears throat> most relaxed, most myself. I can, I can kind of get rid of the stress of the day. 
Mm. So I didn't really think of it like that, but often we forget that. So Sunday morning, dads, rugby, it's the most important time of the week, you know, the the World Cup final's about to happen. Actually, for the kids, <laughs> it's, it's probably their most, you know, stress-relieving part of the week. So why not let them just be kids a little bit more? Absolutely. I'm not sure if you saw what I posted, actually, on the um, the Magic Academy Coach Logic page yesterday, but it, it was something I'd saw earlier in the week, which was a, a hockey coach, real local hockey coach, um, just invited me to come along to to a session that he was doing and how he was linking it to the local hockey club and, and stuff like that. And at the end of the session, this girl just came up and just said, uh, she was seven, seven, said, uh, thank you very much. R- really enjoyed it. And uh, mum came over with dad. And I'm thinking it's probably where I need to, to leave because I just thought, <laughs> it might be getting, thought there might be something happening here. Um, but you know, they, they seemed pretty comfortable that I was there. And they just said, look, you know, we'd really like to make, make you aware this six weeks that X has been uh, coming. Um, we've noticed a huge difference. School are noticing a huge difference in her. Uh, sport was something that she didn't really enjoy. She's never really had a passion for. But we feel she's so much more self-confident now. She's happy to engage with other children. And they've. she was obviously a girl that got into trouble a fair bit at school and is now finding ways to make friends um, with being a parent and the way that they were, they were talking at, I, I, I've become soft. I appreciate having children, but there was a slight tear in my eye of this coach did not realize just how powerful his sessions had been. And it, it wasn't that that's what he was trying to achieve. It was just that this girl had found a safe place to come meet people, be who she is where she says at school that I am always scared of saying things. And, and you just think, wow, what a powerful environment. And that was my question to people. Do we realise how powerful our coaching environments can be to parents and children? So, yeah, yeah that's sport, cool. Sport, sport done well can be incredibly powerful yeah. And, yeah. and life-changing, let's be honest. You know, yeah, actually having... For that girl to hang out with other girls, for perhaps them to give her some positive feedback, to feel like she's part of their team, of their gang, is going to equip her with some stuff that's going to be useful. Um, and well, he he praised your Magic Academy cards, and that's why I brought it up because hey. basically oh, he stop. uses he uses. Uh, so my Christmas present to him was your Magic Academy cards, and he's been been using bits of he's used some of mine and i was sick to death of him using them on a regular basis so i bought him some for christmas and uh he uh he uses the feedback cards he uses player challenges but he just said you know all i was doing is just getting these people to to reflect with each other share ideas also give each other little challenges and superhero and the invincibility bib and stuff like that i was just like mate this is you know this is basically it's an after school club but it but it's not at school it's it's in a different environment and you're like this is class like just, just yeah. keep doing what you're doing. Just keep having fun. Uh, yeah, and that's so we created some cards for coaches and for players, and and they work for sport, and they're just nudges, really. I mean, um, and, and and people often ask me how they how can you use them, and any way you want, really. I mean, they're used for a bit of you know, then some of them you might look at and go, ah, that won't work for me. Actually, I might. I might try this one, you know, so some good examples I'm thinking of. Have a positive interaction with every kid. Actually, you know, if you go and, you know, praise some character or some stuff kids have done well, then if you do that to every single kid in a session, I think that would be a reasonable start point. Um, and, 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 yeah, and just go and find some stuff that works for you. That's, that's what they're made for. Uh, available on the magicacademy.co.uk. Um, yeah, we've had we've had some amazing feedback, and it's it's actually generally been around that around huge impact on kids and their well being and how they've felt. And um, the cards are, are beautiful for me because they're just an amalgamation of every mistake I ever made. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. where I just coached yeah. the best kids. Yeah. Where I thought the only way to give feedback was for me to tell them what to do better, yeah. or I did a huddle and it always looked the same, or I didn't engage the parents, or on match day I be I behaved as if winning was the most important thing, whereas actually it wasn't. No, definitely not. So, yeah, I'm glad they're having an impact. They are having an impact. So just to, to, to finish with, really, what's the most powerful card for you? What's the one that if you had to pick out of your pack, which one would you pick? 
Um, I really like the reflection one. So, you know, I wish I had. I noticed that, um, that, those type of ones. However, the one that I've seen have the most impact on kids are the superpower ones. So little Johnny can run 10 metres. Yeah. No one, and the opposition don't know. So we're trying to get the ball to little Johnny and little Johnny's suddenly part of the team and little Johnny's having some success and suddenly little Johnny isn't stood on the wing anymore. And, 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 and he's part of the gang. So yeah. those are the ones I love. And I like, I like the language of, you know, mm. give kids, you know, you've got a superpower because eventually it will become a superpower. Absolutely. Do you know what? Superpower zero gravity. Um, on my little notes here, superpower zero gravity is my go-to. If I, <laughs> if I feel that a kid's really not engaging, superpower of some kind doesn't mean the zero gravity doesn't have to be x meters it could be for so many touches it could be for so long in time but that sort of stuff just brings that kid into the game and then from there where i might then move on with the challenge um that's definitely something that i i really enjoy doing and you can double down on it by if if little johnny does it three times then Gary's going to do 20 press-ups. Yeah, pre- yeah, absolutely, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, little Johnny's the hero because we've made Gary do, you know, probably 18 or 19 of the 20 press-ups. Uh, eight, probably, is what I'm <laughs> going to get to before I sweat. In fact, Fletch made me, uh, when Fletch came to my performance centre environment, uh, we had a little competition with clickers. So he took a team, I took a team. We were, uh, so many players, we were looking for them to, they chose what they were going to try and achieve. So a little individual thing, uh challenges inside and we had to click when it happened uh fletch beat me so my challenge was 20 press-ups uh in front of the boys uh i've never seen so much so much chanting (laughs) cheering uh banter going on and uh, you know people would look at that you know parents looking at that thinking this is a performance environment should this be happening yes was my thing so just just on that you know that that, that's what john fletch is bringing to british hockey isn't it Press-ups for coaches. Press-ups for me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, t- I think they chose what I had to do. I think he said to them, right, well, what's, 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 uh, what's Coach Gary going to do? And he's 20 press-ups. Brilliant. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks very much. Uh, cool. Well, look, Saturday morning, it's been amazing hanging out with you. I never thought that when I met you at the GB Coaching Conference that, A, I would be able to do a podcast with you. B, I'd got to work with you on uh, different bits and stuff with England hockey. So it's it's been an amazing six, seven months of getting to know you and and sort of sharing some ideas with you. And uh, just thank you for allowing me in because it's been it's been great. So uh, same, mate. I really appreciate it. And hopefully you can beat Nanny, Danny Newcomb for number of attendees at the <laughs> conference. I've heard that whoever loses is doing twenty press-ups. <laughs> there is a there is going to be a prize. There is going to be a prize. Scott McNeil, uh, you've heard it here first. He's going to create a prize. He doesn't know it probably, but he's going to create a prize. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, you enjoy the rest of your Saturday, and uh, it'd be good to to catch up again soon. So cheers, mate. If you'd like to know more information about the Magic Academy, you can go to themagicacademy.co.uk. Or you can contact uh, Rusty himself on rusty at themagicacademy.co.uk. 